Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, what's going on, guys? Got Ernie Els this week on the podcast. He's a 19-time PGA Tour winner. You guys know him, a four-time major champion. Of course, two British Opens, two U.S. Opens. He won in 1994, that first major at Oakmont. Talk about tough courses to win. He wins at Oakmont, and then he wins the Congressional in 97 over guys like Tom Lehman, uh, Colin Montgomery, a lot of... A lot of big names uh, during the mid-90s. So, yeah, interesting stuff in his career. One thing I always like to talk about with older guys is regrets. Like, what are some things that they look back on and go, man, like, I wish if I could have had this year back, that, you know, 2004 or 1995, in his case, he brought a couple different years uh, about what he loved to have back. So it's just interesting to see when what really tugs at him as he looks back on his career at age 54. He just turned 54 last week. I caught up with him at the Dominion Energy Charity Classic, which is the first Charles Schwab Cup playoff event in Richmond, Virginia. So we caught up for, this is about a 12-minute chat. And listen, the music comes in. There's some people in the background. Like, we're basically on the back of the pro shop, or the porch of the pro shop, and there's music going on towards the end of this. So I do apologize for that. What are you going to do? I wait around all day for Ernie L's, And, of course... There's a concert uh, practice or, or a sound check that's just checking in at like 6 p.m., 6.15. So I apologize for that. It's a fun chat with, with Ernie Els, about 12, as I said, 13 minutes, and we get to a few different topics in his career. Tiger Woods as well. Uh, he had a front row seat to some of his best golf. So here's Ernie Els on Beyond the Clubhouse. All right, joined by Ernie Els, 19-time PGA Tour winner. And Ernie, here we are on this PGA Tour Champions. This week you had your birthday. And your your team is still in the mix over there, the South Africans in rugby. It's a how uh, pretty special week, I'd imagine. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it, um, I don't know how special it is when you turn 54, but you know we we had a nice birthday the other day, and um, obviously the win on Sunday in the Rugby World Cup was was fantastic. And uh, you know I, I spoke to the head coach and. Uh, you know, the director of rugby, Mr. Rassi Erasmus, and, uh, you know, obviously wishing them all the best for the match coming up this weekend, you know, against England. It's really uh, coming down to the nitty and gritty of it. Um, but they're playing awesome, and uh, they've been doing unbelievably well. So hopefully we can get through England and get to the final. Yeah, a lot to look forward to. And when I look at your career, and I think about the different years in your career, right, 97, obviously a win there at the U.S. Open 94, but is there a year that stands out for you, Ernie, where you think, you know what, that year, if I could do that, have that one back, things might have been a lot different, you know, if you pinpointed one. Oh, yeah, early on. Um, you know, obviously, 94 was my breakthrough year, you know, winning U.S. Open in uh, uh, 94 at, at Oakmont, um, you know, and then in 1995, you know, um, I had another really good year going, um, and as it would be, you know, I never won a PGA championship, but at Riviera, I had a three-shot lead going into the final round. And, uh, 
you know, I was just playing s such great golf. Um, I had a bit of an off day, and I remember horseshoeing my putt out on the 16th hole, par three for birdie, and then bogeying 17, and then missing out on the playoff, you know, uh, with Steve Elkington and Colin Montgomery. I still think back to that, because, uh, you know, if I could have done better on that final round, you know, get that championship under the belt, um, things could have been a bit different. But a lot of players, every single player who's going to speak to and ask that question, there's some tournaments that, that got away from you. And uh, that's obviously one that got away from me. You know, the next year at the British Open, 96 also, I was making a charge and bogeyed 16 and 18. Um, but um, so, so, so it be, you know. Um, 2004, had another great year. <laughs> Masters and, and... Yeah, the Masters got away, you know, was full making that unbelievable putt on 18. And, you know, I was in the final group at the Open Championship uh, where Todd Hamilton beat me. And um, also the, the PGA Championship again, uh, final hole, I hit it through the fairway into almost an unplayable lie after a perfect drive. and. Um, could only make five there so you know there have been a couple that got away from me but um, as I say you know still very fortunate to have won four majors Was there any particular in 04 that was worse than the others or that stung and stuck with you longer? Well I think they all sting a little bit you know now that you ask me um, you know 95 came up very quickly and I was in 96 and then 04 you know so 04 you know, also, a tournament I never won was the the Masters Championship. So, 04, I felt I was playing some of my best golf ever. You know, although 94 was my breakthrough, yet 2004, I was right in my prime. I was doing a lot of really good things. Uh, me and Ledbetter, David, we had the swing going beautifully. I was hitting it far, and I was doing a lot of things good. So, um, not winning the Masters, uh, that will forever, uh, you know, be a kind of a sour taste in my mouth but uh, I gave it a good go and the better player won on that day. Well you mentioned uh, 96 and Tom Lehman uh, winning that that time there at St. Anne's. Uh, there was a moment after as you were waiting for him to finish where I think Tiger found you in the in the pro shop or as you were waiting there uh, in the clubhouse. What was that exchange like? Yeah Tiger you know we, we go back a long time and obviously I played a lot of golf with Tiger in that 95, 94, 95 period when he was an amateur, even in 96. Um, you know, he won the US amateur, I think, three or four times. And so he played in a lot of those big majors. You know, he played in the Open Championship, he played at the Masters. So, you know, we'd be paired together in the first rounds and so on. Uh, also at Shinnecock in 95, it's at the US Open, we played together. So we played a lot of rounds together early on. And, um, Obviously, he was still at Stanford. He was still uh, studying there and, and doing great things as an amateur. Um, so we as pros could see this guy is just going to be an absolute superstar. So he just wanted to reconfirm through me. You know, I was having a beer, you know, after the uh, prize giving uh, in the locker room, which is right behind the 18th green. And he sat next to me. He didn't have a beer. He was still a bit young. But I had a beer and he asked me what, what, he, what I thought about his game. He, if he thought I was, if he thought he, if I thought he was ready, I said absolutely, you know. And um, I, I joke and I say I, I regret saying that, but I think he would, he wouldn't have listened to me if I said he wasn't. But he was, uh, he's always been a good friend and one of the greatest competitors ever. 
you called him the greatest closer you've ever seen in this game. Just, just, just a killer instinct. In 2000 at Pebble, is there any anecdote, anything that you think back on now from that week? Or I know you made a charge, you got into the mix there by Saturday, but anything that come to mind watching Tiger that week? No, he was very dominant then. You know, 2000, you did a great work with, um, uh, with Butch Harmon and... Um, uh, you know, his swing was just right on. He was hitting the driver unbelievable. But the putter, he really started getting his confidence in the, with the putter. And he knew those greens so well. Um, he was just phenomenal. He just never wavered. You know, his ability to stick with the game plan and absolutely have his mind and body uh, do what he wanted to do uh, was just phenomenal. You know, we could see a shot, um, you know, pull it off most of the time. But under pressure... Um, I don't think I've ever seen a man hit shots the way he did coming down the stretch. You know, saying the last four, three, four holes down the stretch, he would hit a phenomenal shot. A, a, sh a shot, you know, best tournament golf shot or putt. He'll do it in the last three or four holes of a tournament many times. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at most of his wins, all those wins at Bay Hill, you know, the putts he made down the hill there. The, you know, it's just incredible, those putts he made then. At the World Series of Golf, he would hit a shot to a given in the dark. Firestone, yeah. With Firestone. And then, um, you know, the shot at Canadian Open, you know, out of the bunker. Hit it to, you know, a couple of feet there. I'm not sure if he won or not. But these type of shots just stand out. And he just did it over and over and over again. And that's the ability to absolutely control what you can control, but absolutely believe in the shot that you're going to pull off. And, and he did it over and over the putts he used to make it's just incredible I mean I think the only guy that come close to him in making those pressure putts is Jack Nicklaus you know if you look at their career you know making putts uh, they'd be, they would be very even uh, on that regard I think because he also made great putts Jack Nicklaus did but Tiger just did it over and over and that's why he won you know 83 times on tour and 15 majors Stuart Appleby told me there was a great after party at your house, or at least at your place, after uh, 03 when you went up against it with Tiger in the President's Cup. Like, it must have been a, a pretty good blow for blow there, finish. Yeah, we had a good, uh, it was uh, crazy pressure, you know, for me especially. I mean, for Tiger also, you know, nobody wants to have your team lose. Um, and then being out there in a, in a playoff is an honor to, to have that honor to play for your team and your flag. So, um, it was brilliant in that regard, but our play wasn't that great. But I think the putts that we kept making, grinding out pars, you know, uh, when it was getting dark, and then eventually, you know, um, you know, Tiger making that unbelievable putt left to right in the heart of the hole. Um, if I thought he was going to miss one, it would have been that one. But again, you know, Tiger, you know, being Tiger making that putt, and then I made that putt up the hill, and then it was really t too dark. It was too dark to, to continue, and they made the right choice. Uh, but yeah, to have that honor to do that at that time was uh, was was brilliant, and uh, you know that's something we'll never forget. I remember Tiger also saying that he felt that was the most pressure he ever felt in his whole career. So to that point, so it meant a lot to everybody. A couple last thoughts on modern game right now. What do you make of like the swing speeds? I know you mentioned in the past that the swing speeds is not sustainable. You want to keep playing well into your 40s you know, with some of these young guys, right? Yeah, but I mean, now it, it's, it's a big thing. I mean, they are just absolutely so fast 
uh, with the the speed. I know the music is playing in now, but I mean the speed is just phenomenal. I played with a 15-year-old at Pebble Beach, and his swing speeds over uh, his ball speeds over 180. So this is just not going to end, you know. And these guys don't even swing with 46-inch clubs; they do it with 45-inch clubs. So it's just a more athletic uh, way of swinging the club, and that's the one thing that's changed immensely in the last five years in the game. Is it long term though? Is it going to be hard for them to make it out on the Champions Tour and to keep playing into their late 40s and 50s at this point? Well, let's look at Podrick Harrington. I mean, he's got a 180 ball speed, you know, and on the range he can get it up to 190, you know, so that, that pulls us along a little bit, you know. At my age, you know, I can get it up to 174, um, which is kind of where I was in my prime, but. Um, you're going to have to do this to, to stay relevant. You're going to have to stay up there with the, with the swing speed and ball speed. and um, um, You're just going to have to work out a bit more and keep your lower body going, you know, your back especially, your knees and your ankles. Um, it's a long game. If you're playing the long-term game, you're going to have to look after your body a lot uh, differently than we did maybe in our day. And lastly, uh, as the music finishes up here, uh, is there a rule you change in the game right now? Yeah, you have to take away the long putter. You know, the long putter has to go. Um, they made that change with the belly putter, and for some reason they haven't done it with the rest of the game. I think uh, if the long putter goes, I think we're doing uh, doing a lot of things right in the game. Um, you know, if you have a problem with putting, you know, that's part of the game, you know, and I, I believe you should go back to a, to the original short putter. It just doesn't seem fair the way it's constituted now? I don't think it's fair. I think you know you have uh, some kind of problem putting, you know, then um, uh, you know you got to live with it, or um, you know get get some other method. But to, to have these putters anchored to your body, to your to your forearm, uh, to your chest, in in many instances, I don't believe that's in the spirit of the game. And I don't think Bobby Jones and the four the the, the fathers of the game would uh, would like to see how these guys putt now, especially. You go ask Jack Nicholas and these type of guys, I'd say no, it, it should be outlawed. So th that's the one thing I don't like in the game at the moment. Great stuff. Ernie Ellis, thanks for your time and good luck the rest of the way uh, in the season. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, buddy. All right, my thanks to Ernie Ellis for jumping on the podcast. I love some of those stories with Tiger Woods, you know, going back to that opened in 1996 at St. Anne's when he's waiting in the clubhouse. Is it going to be good enough? Or I guess he was grabbing a beer right at the end. And Tiger goes up to him and says, hey, man, should I turn pro? I love that story. Uh, maybe he shouldn't have told him to turn pro in 1996. Maybe things would have been different. But we all know what happened from there. But still, I thought it was fun with Ernie Els. Again, apologies for the music in the background. This is out of my control. I'm set up on the pro shop, outside the pro shop on the patio. And uh, they had some people just starting to, to work on a sound check for a concert later on in the week there in Richmond. So anyway, but hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope it was a blast listening to Ernie Els. Hope you guys took a lot out of that, enjoyed it. And we'll catch up soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse. <laughs>